Welcome to iPhone. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 35 of I4O. Uh, we have a lot of news today and not a full party. I'm joined today by Irvin and Jeff, both of which are featuring lower thirds that I am not featuring. Um, what's going on, guys? <laughs> hey, Matt. Good morning. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy yeah. Sunday. I'm enjoying my lower third on this Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I wish I could be in that. I'm currently coming to you guys from Internet Explorer. Ooh. <laughs> the future so, is now. <laughs> oh man. It's a throwback. It's if it, if only it was a Thursday. But um Aww. so we have a lot of news. There's quite a bit of stuff to cover today. Um there's some information about a OnePlus hack that happened this week. Other news, water is wet. Uh BitConnect was accused of a Ponzi scheme, and YouTube has made some updates to its partner program on top of some other exciting news that we have for you guys. So uh to jump straight into the first topic. OnePlus has revealed the credit card details of 40,000 customers that were hacked last week. <clears throat> so the it was through their online store is where this breach happened. And the data stolen includes credit card numbers, expiration dates, and security codes. And uh, this is a pretty big mistake on OnePlus's end, considering this breach was I, I'm pretty sure this was on like they didn't find this for two or three months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's not a good look for OnePlus. Um, so the information that was used anywhere between mid-November 2017 and January 11, 2018, uh, was about the those 40,000 customers. So if you bought a OnePlus phone or bought anything on OnePlus's website during that time, uh, please uh, uh, cancel your credit card. Well, you use then get a new number. Also, um, yeah, just uh, just uh, don't don't do any more uh, business with OnePlus. Well, that's yeah. that's that's for users who um, were new users during that period. Just to be yeah. clear, because if you had a saved credit card already or were using PayPal, your information was not compromised mm-hmm. according to the, okay. this release. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, this just adds another on top of other OnePlus's uh, little uh, mishaps that they had throughout the year, uh, last yeah. year, yeah. Uh, which were quite a bit. Um, and uh, I mean, it happens, right? You can't, hackers will, will you're a target. Um, OnePlus is a fairly big company, is a popular amongst, especially um, enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if regular people know about OnePlus that much, but enthusiasts users are definitely a fan of oneplus and this the only way to pretty much get their phone in the u.s is online you have to buy yep. it online so um the good news is that unlike equifax they offer a year of free credit protection as a result of this <laughs> hack instead of selling their own credit protection service so that's a that's a positive that comes out of this so anybody who was impacted i'm sure that you were notified and also you will be getting a year of free credit protection so Maybe it's not all doom and gloom, but unfortunately, this is kind of the part for the course on how these breaches get fixed. Yeah. They, it's kind of a reactive thing, and we've talked about that on previous episodes. And while it's not good, it's the world we live in, and we are going to see probably all throughout 2018 companies that have breaches like this. Hopefully, not much worse, but um, 
it seems that reactive is currently the only solution that we have to these types of breaches and trying to cover ground as best as they can. I'm wondering if there's going to be any improvement to how these um, hacks and the, the loss of payment information, things of that nature are, are handled mm -hmm. as opposed to just being notified, hey, you're, you've been compromised or you should cancel your card. If there's anything else they can do, um, maybe to target, like find the people who do it more quickly or if there's something where maybe they can just catch a bogus transaction right away. I don't know. Right. Yeah, there's there's some kind of uh, there's some security methods that are in place for most online retail sites that have gone through this. But I'm assuming that just OnePlus's re online retail may have been. I think there's even some template code almost you can use for transactions, and maybe OnePlus's was built from the ground up or something. So it just goes to show that doing your research when building a an online market is it pays both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so the the root of the hack was just a a browser breach so a tiny snippet of code placed in the right place on OnePlus's website could capture all relevant credit card information so um i would imagine that this could have been done through a fraudulent link or something like that or a malformed web page but um but that is the explanation as to why only users who entered a new number into OnePlus's system during that time were affected, not users who had saved information. So right, right. I think that's a good clarification to make. Definitely. Yeah, so wasn't direct access to their servers where they stored that information, Yeah. Uh, which was probably encrypted anyway. So I don't know how useful uh, that uh, those numbers would have been. Um, so again, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good clarification. Yeah, you know what else is a good clarification? Um, Amazon narrowing down to 20 cities. <laughs> um, so they've taken their list of cities from around the United States, and they have narrowed it down to a list of 20 cities. So I'm curious as to where you guys think, and I know we may be a little bit biased since Philadelphia is still on that list, <laughs> but um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on where you think that this new headquarters will end up also little background like why are we talking about amazon choosing a headquarters why why do we care right uh right like it's, it's important been to use yeah it's in, it's been in the news like it was huge that huge announcement a couple months back that uh, amazon announced that looking for to expand uh to open up a, a second headquarters the first one they have in seattle um so they're looking to expand and the reason that this is making news every time they announce something about this is because it's going to bring, it's going to change the city that it goes to. Um, you can, I've, I've read some interviews from people who live in Seattle from the beginning before Amazon wasn't even a thing. And they said it transformed that city. And this HQ2 is expected to bring uh, up to 50,000 high paying jobs, uh, which is fairly significant. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That'll, uh, yeah, that will definitely transform a city. Uh, so that's the reason yeah. that um, a lot of cities also applied uh, to be uh, one to be on this list uh, of potentially on this list of finalists. Uh, it looks like around 238 cities and regions applied uh, mm -hmm. to be um, in the running. And then this, they just released the top 20. Uh, just, so I just wanted to give a little background on why we are actually talking about a company looking for headquarters, right? Definitely yeah. making news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but no, this definitely will change the landscape of any city that they pick fundamentally. And 
there's several really compelling choices within this. Um, and just to kind of go on with this, I feel like um, their pick is going to be Atlanta. Uh, mostly because Atlanta has, I've heard it referred to as the San Francisco of the East Coast in a way. It's very up and coming and there's a big tech hub in that city. And I think that it would um, behoove Amazon to take advantage of that new up and coming tech scene there and take advantage of all of the development talent that's going on down that way. So that's that would be my guess. Um, I noticed that they have still included Toronto, which is outside the United States. That would be an interesting choice as well. But uh, to me, it's either Atlanta or maybe DC, just so they can get into Washington a little bit more. But uh, I'm curious as to what you guys might think for where they may end up. Yeah, the interesting thing about the DC one um, is that there's three different areas around the DC mm-hmm. area that that are in this list. So they have Northern Virginia, DC itself, and uh, uh, which one was the last one? I forget. I'm not sure. Maryland. Okay. Montgomery right. County. So it's all around yeah, Montgomery County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all around three fairly close to DC and one in actually in DC. Um, the interesting note about this is there's only one West coast city, uh, which is, uh, Los Angeles. Um, I think, yeah, it was Los Angeles. So yeah. really, they're really looking, I think, to go on the, either towards because i know colorado is in this list so yeah. they might go to the middle of the country um i in my opinion colorado's in the high running um no pun intended oh wait that is <laughs> wasn't not intentional i was gonna say that too <laughs> that, that makes it even better that it wasn't intentional um yeah. uh but yeah i think colorado because there's huge um investment going on um around there um, and it, it seems like uh, it would fit with um, that town um, I think, for whatever reason. I think um, you should. Th- there's more than just geographical influence that goes into this too. And I know you guys are talking about DC and influence there, but I think also they're considering the the pools of talent that could come to them as a right. result of what yeah. you choose. So yeah. if you choose, if you were to choose somewhere like Los Angeles or New York, um, you know, there's a lot of people um, with. Oh, like very high education levels. Uh, I know that there's a lot of talent there in general because of the different companies that are already competing in those areas. Mm-hmm. Also, you could think about things like locale, what would bring people there because they'd be okay with living in that area. So if you look at somewhere like Miami, maybe, you know, if you want a nice tropical environment, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, to live in for your job, maybe that would be a good choice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go ahead right now. And I am totally biased in this opinion, but I'm picking Newark. Newark? <laughs> Newark, New Jersey. Well, Newark could also make sense because that's where Audible is headquartered. Well, headquartered. not so. only that, but also, I mean, really, if you think about it, that is very close to three other big cities, um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, New York, and Washington. If you were talking about the pools of talent in that area, um, New Jersey, say what you will about it, but it is right smack in the middle of all of that yeah so no the infrastructure is there and it's got the real estate for sure so i could i could definitely see that um but i don't know if they're going to double down on the west coast i think that if they narrow this list down any further i'm pretty sure that la is going to drop off that list yeah i don't know if they want to deal with washington and california taxes on top of everything 
even mm-hmm. with the subsidies, it'll still be more expensive in the end than say like Philadelphia or Atlanta or Newark. Yeah. So, well, um, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm hopeful for Philly, but we'll see. We'll see. But my, my guess is Atlanta. So we'll, we'll come back to this when they finally do announce and see what everybody's choice is. Yeah. And in, um, in our show notes, you'll see, you'll see links to uh, some articles. There's some information that was provided by the New York times here as as to what each city kind of brings to the table. So if Mm -hmm. you're curious, you could take a look at that. I'll see if I can find it too. And I remember there was a, a link that I had found previously. It may even be in an earlier set of show notes, but there was like the intro videos or the the pitch videos that each city had created and sent to Amazon in the hopes of being selected. And was that just... was kind of interesting to go through and watch each city's like pitch to Amazon. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, just to see a city present itself, like what what's good about us. I just mm-hmm. think that that's interesting. Like, it, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's cool. Yeah. I'll see if I can find that and uh, put it in the show notes after the show. So, but um moving on to other news uh this one uh, really kind of irked me in the wrong way uh bmw is going to be charging an annual fee for apple carplay um that's not right i don't like that i don't like that one bit um they're doing a upfront charge in order to unlock support for apple carplay which if many people who have used either Android Auto or Apple CarPlay No comes from an app on your phone and not from any just just software support on the car. So this is a way of making your smartphone more hands off by enabling navigation of only like music based apps and GPS apps and um, basic voice controlled messaging services. Mm-hmm. Um, and it enables a hands free car experience for your phone and i know even in at least in carplay um i'm pretty sure that it disables uh some notifications like it filters out any unimportant notifications to lessen your distractions while driving and since if that's the case this is technically a safety feature and i think there's something fundamentally wrong with a car company trying to double down and profit off of something that can be viewed as a safety feature and it's not that I mean, so previously to this, they were charging a two uh, I think it was two hundred fifty dollars um to add this feature, right? Which is very common on car like to and add Android Auto because right. it's a tech package upgrade. That's fine. Two hundred fifty dollar yeah. charge to add a tech package that uh, gives you the ability to use um the Android Auto or Apple's CarPlay, which is fine because it does take development time. Right, does take a cost to actually make it work in your car, but they're getting away from that one-time fee, and they're making you pay for this monthly, which is yeah. just insane. Like, just I'll, I'll pay the one time. Like, why are you charging me a monthly fee or an yeah. annual fee? Um, yeah, this isn't Sirius XM. This is something right. that can be much more substantial <clears throat> for the average car user and. I feel like they're just they're trying to get on to this increase in trends of subscription based services and they think that this is just something that people might view as a nice to have when in actuality this at least for me this was part of my purchasing decision when getting a car. I wanted something that had Android Auto and Apple CarPlay purely because one I could go between iPhone and Android should I want to and two it's a safety feature that 
I don't have to worry about dealing with uh, a car's out of date GPS sending me down the wrong way. It's constantly yeah. updated through Google Maps. It's charging my phone. So that way my phone is charged whenever I get to where I'm going. Um, I can control text through voice instead of having to like fibble around the phone if I get like an emergency call and I have to answer it or something like that. It's safer. And I, I think it's dangerous that and I really hope that the industry does respond to this in a in a bad way. Yeah. Um, the first year is free. Um, so they won't charge you the first year of that normal car, but anything after that, it'll be an $80 annual uh, privilege to access Apple's total free <laughs> CarPlay service. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I guess, car makers trying to squeeze extra. I mean, it's 80 bucks. It's it's not a huge amount. Like, why can't they just stick with the, I think previously it mentions that it was a 300 one-time fee to add this feature on previous BMW mile models. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they couldn't stick with that. What was the reasoning? I don't think, um, uh, I'm not sure what was uh, BMW's response to this. Um, but I don't want DLCs for my car. No. Yeah, this is this your BMW, not EA. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't under I don't I don't really understand why they would do this. And also if it starts here, where does it end? Right, uh -huh. exactly. And people should not sign up for the service if they I mean like sure Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, they're great services and they work really well, but I think that kind of bending to this model doesn't bode well for the industry when someone should be sending in any kind of i don't know right to your local bmw representative <laughs> and try to and let them know your your opinion and your feelings but i i think it's ridiculous that this is something that this is what we've come to with subscription services where these companies are trying to grab for money as as much as they can take the take the year lease on a bmw and then just get rid of the car I don't know. Uh, I don't know. If you're looking for Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, don't go BMW. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, I don't think BMW even has uh, Android Auto. Yeah. Um, because Android, according to uh, BMW, Android Auto collects way too much information about the car and they don't want to give that to Google. Yeah. Um, so, but that's a completely separate story <laughs> yeah that's a whole different article for a different day <laughs> for a different day <laughs> yeah but um something else that happened on a different day um not on top of terrible segues there oh was the goodness. bitcoin crash um that happened this past week uh i know you guys have at least at least jeff have some investments in coin i'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on the crash and also subsequent rebound of uh, Bitcoin and all the the minor altcoins. Um, yeah, so it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, as you might expect. Um, <laughs> I mean, depending on when you ha and I'm not going to disclose any personal information in this uh, discussion, but depending on, depending on when you invest uh, or have invested in this, um, you might not be sweating it so much. Uh, which is the case with a lot of people. But if you were late to join, so to speak, um, you could be down quite a bit of money or um, wondering if it's going to follow similar trends of other years. I've seen a lot of uh, links and discussions of 
charts, line graphs um, showing that this is kind of the trend every year, that it takes a huge dip and then rises back up gradually through mm -hmm. the year and spikes in the new year then drops again. Um, really, it's it's it depends on what the, the, the root cause of this is that will determine whether or not it happens again, in my opinion. Um, another concept that's been floating around is uh, what are called whales in this market, which are people who have a lot of uh, money invested and thus a lot of influence on the valuation of these various coins who will, um, you know, buy buy them up so, or so that their value goes up and then you have all these other people following suit so the value goes up to a ridiculously high amount then they sell all theirs the value deflates and then everyone sells theirs because they're scared and then it's worth a lot less and those same investors buy it on the cheap again and just keep returning uh pretty insane profits and yeah repeating the process because why wouldn't you um and that there would be due to that th they would use bots to do that. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of regulation that's in Wall Street that isn't here that lets them do that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So and, that, that's been that's been the, the buzz. <laughs> yeah. And kind of looking at the bigger picture, kind of what you hinted at towards the beginning of what you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at it from the bigger picture, Bitcoin had dropped back down to what it was only a month ago. So. If that goes to show anything, it's more of a correction than a crash. Yeah. So I think that it's not all doom and gloom for coin. And we've seen that towards the end of this week, coming up to today even, where uh, Ethereum and some of the major coins have rebounded upwards of 10% of their value um, in the span of one day. So I think that it's safe to say that it wasn't the end of the world, as some people had said. Like, I know... Even some of the cryptocurrency subreddits, their top post was the National Suicide Hotline. Yes. And like it, no, no amount of investment should ever be that serious for anybody. And I, <clears throat> and anybody who does invest a lot of money, you should know what you're getting into before you do that. And I'm not trying to make fun of people who would be taking advantage of that kind of a service. No. But getting yourself in that deep is – a you should take a step back and look at what you're doing yeah. before before that becomes an option if something like this happens because uh, a deregulated market behaving in a deregulated manner mm -hmm. is entirely normal and expected. Yeah, and it's it's scary because it, it's I mean it's a rush, right? So it's it's kind of yeah. like gambling, like where you put in this money. If you took out a, a home mortgage and or whatever kind of you know loan. At a large value, when the coin was at nearly twenty thousand dollars a month ago, and put all of the money into it, you're probably pretty freaked out right now. And that yeah. was a pretty <laughs> uh, debatable decision. Uh, yeah, you just need to. I think in general, you need to approach this delicately and really think about what you're doing. I have one thing to say: just total, total. <laughs> for for those of you who aren't familiar with what Irvin just said, um, this isn't a Game of Thrones reference, nor the word hold, but it's a misspelling of the word hold that happened. Was it on Reddit or 4chan when that happened? Uh, probably Reddit, I think. Um, but, yeah, a Reddit user or a user of the internet-based meme distribution services was drunk and... Um, was yelling in all caps to hold on to the coin and uh he spelled hold wrong and it was h-o-d-l 
So uh, now it's become a bit of a mantra for the cryptocurrency subreddits to yell that whenever a value drops on any of the coins by any large margin. Um, and people have even expanded on it to make it its own acronym, such as hold on for dear life and hold on, uh, don't. And what is there's another one that says hold on, don't lose let, or don't let go or something. Let go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's where that comes from for anybody who hasn't heard of that acronym before but yes hodl indeed <laughs> i mean yeah it, it, this growth that has happened in the past let's say two months wasn't sustainable so i was expecting no. this to happen and i think yeah this is just the market trying to correct itself mm -hmm. um there's been dips before uh within the price and this this crazy ride that has happened for the past couple months there's been dips in that as well and I think if people just hold out and not freak out because I've watched several YouTube videos where the, these guys were investing hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of money into um, uh, different coins, not just Bitcoin, and, and riding this wave. And they were saying that they freaked out like as soon as this drop happened and they're just selling. And um, I would just just hold on because this is a volatile market right this is gonna yep. happen this is not regulated stuff and it's just expected um i have no uh skin in the game at all <laughs> i stayed away from it um but I, it's fun to watch for sure um yeah. and uh i'm i'm intrigued of what's gonna happen in the future some so, say yeah. it's gonna hit fifty thousand dollars at one point hundred thousand um i'm i'm very skeptical on that we'll, yeah, we'll see yeah um, i went into the i'm i am in i guess you could call it invested in the market as in i bought um some crypto coin back in fall i bought ethereum um but i wouldn't necessarily call it invested i merely did that as a as a marker to just kind of give myself an incentive to watch the market and see what this new technology is and um while it's been going up and down i don't plan on i don't i plan on hodling until <laughs> five years down the line it's, it's mostly just a something for me to see the market and uh watch it go up and down and see um, where this technology goes because it does have a lot of potential and there have been other related news that has come out such as i, I think canada has um picked up the smart contracting technology behind ethereum and is now using that for some actual services. Uh, and I know there have been some backlash, and I think partially the cause of this was South Korea announcing their attempt to ban cryptocurrency trading within the country. Right. Uh, that could explain a bit of this. And like you're saying, Jeff, there, about the whales, there has been some evidence, such as on the crypto uh, distribution, I think it's Bitfinex, um, of actual... Uh, buyer manipulation of the value of coins. So there is evidence of that, but a deregulated market's going to deregulate. And yeah. like you said it, I couldn't say it better myself the way that you worded it, a coin or a market that doesn't have the same regulations in place as say like the stock market, this stuff is going to happen all the time. So whether it's on a large scale or a small scale is to be said, but um, it's definitely something I think that I could see going forward with the market so even if the the trend down the line is only going up which a lot of people seem optimistic about 2018 for cryptocurrency so 
I think uh, one thing that will be interesting to see is the the peaks and valleys and the rise and fall of crypto experts because it seems that there are way more now than there were two months ago. Right. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we're seeing also a massive increase in mining too. So yeah, hopefully we'll see that kind of taper out as people decide to get out of the game when because you're going to get people who go into mining who don't really know what they're doing or don't do the research and inevitably end up redistributing their graphics cards or their hardware back into the market yeah, and we've so, seen that we've seen that happen before with uh the value of coins going up and down but yeah. i think uh another thing is the when you're talking about altcoins is um the validity of those and the technology behind them and uh whether or not they're there to provide a service or improve the world in some way or just to kind of scheme people out of money um i know that there's an article there's there's news to talk about this week with bitconnect yes. <laughs> and bitconnect, <laughs> BitConnect. <laughs> and for anybody who hasn't seen there's a video in this article that uh is it had us in tears <laughs> Literally. Um, I'll put that on the Facebook page so people can enjoy that. Um, let, me, let me send it to uh, Twitch and YouTube right now. How about that? Yeah. But um, what we're talking about is the coin, uh, BitConnect coin, um, has been accused of basically being a Ponzi scheme. So, And the backlash from the community has been nothing but absolute savagery. So... Um, a lot of people were skeptical about BitConnect's services. So, um, one, you would the, the whole premise of their service was you send them Bitcoin in exchange for BitConnect Bitcoin or BitConnect coin, and once you had BitConnect coin, you were guaranteed up to one hundred and twenty percent return per year, and users were told that they were earning interest by holding onto their coin for helping maintain the security of the network. And this turned out to be a complete fraud, and there had been a lot of um, – it's a Ponzi scheme at its purest form. So the coins were being redistributed to people within the network and earning them money, and then next thing you know, they kind of just made off with the money and ran. And you started to see accusations of a Ponzi scheme happen from all over the internet, and now um, – we're seeing the value of their coin crash. Um, the market valuation of their, their market cap has dropped substantially. Um, they went from, I think they were even at, they were at an all-time high of $437.31 per coin before it plummeted. And it is now around $35 at the time of this article being written. <laughs> so this uh, this is a crash. What we saw last week with Bitcoin was not a crash. Right. This is a crash. And the fact that this is still somehow trading is <laughs> baffling. And it it's absolutely mind-blowing that this is still trading. There are some true believers out there, I guess. <laughs> They're really holding on to that video. They, they saw that and they were inspired. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, the video that we're talking about is a, is a very overdubbed video of a BitConnect meetup and uh it's it's fun it's it's a fun it's a fun watch and uh i know that we we actually had a question in our youtube stream um from someone watching about whether or not uh 
Glenn Arcana has been arrested or anyone involved with BitConnect has been arrested. I was doing some digging as we were uh, prepping for the show, and it's, it seems like a couple of people have just dropped off the radar and disappeared. <laughs> so oh, nice. This looks pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> and I'm curious to see if we hear any news of people actually getting held accountable for this in any way. Yeah, and in this article, there's a screenshot of the front page of the BitConnect subreddit, and uh, it's I, it's 100% agree. They said it's truly a sight to behold. Um, there's the the there's a sticky thread for the legal action, the mega thread for legal action on their subreddit. Um, there's another one that just says I'm sorry. There's the national suicide hotline, as we've seen in other subreddits. Um, yeah, it's uh the subreddit. It seems to be in in a good state of affairs right now. Um, <laughs> everything seems to be fine. This is fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this um this is what happens when you get caught running a Ponzi scheme through a cryptocurrency market. And I, as sad as it is to say, I don't think this is the end of these types of things happening. I'm pretty sure that we're going to see more and more of some of these fake vaporware coins and Ponzi scheme-esque behaviors from smaller coins. So uh, if anything, if you are invested in the crypto market, uh, take this as a, a warning from us to do your due diligence and your research before investing enough money to need a suicide hotline should they come out as being a Ponzi scheme. So... That's something that's important to note. Right Do there. your due diligence, or you might be in some deep doo doo. Yes, <laughs> doo doo <laughs> diligence, doo doo. <laughs> but um, yeah. Speaking of making money on the internet, here we go. Uh, YouTube <laughs> has uh, updated their uh, partner program uh, to uh, try to respond to concerns from the advertisers. Um, and this could be in response to uh, certain videos that were made by certain famous uh, YouTubers uh, fairly recently. But from the look of it, it doesn't seem to affect them uh, that much. It seems to affect smaller channels. Uh, so um, YouTube has had um, an option for creators uh, to monetize their videos uh, previously. They had to meet certain criteria. Uh, but now they have uh, recently changed those uh, requirements. Uh, they up them. So this really sort of hurts smaller channels. Um, but there's also arguments, which I'm, I'm going to throw out there in a little bit, that this really doesn't affect them that much because of that uh, size. They weren't really actually making that much money. Uh, but so now um, YouTube has this also... also, also um, uh, got a lot of attention in the YouTube community. I, I saw a lot of people posting about this and talking about how does it actually affect the, the YouTube creator uh, space. Uh, but now for you to actually start monetizing your videos, uh, you have to have um, 4,000 hours of video uh, watch time total in the past 12 months, as well as 1,000 subscribers to be eligible to earn money from uh, you, your uh, YouTube views. Uh, previously, the minimum threshold was uh, 10,000 views, um, but um, YouTube said that that wasn't enough 
um, information to weed out any bad actors, um, like people trying to uh, make a quick buck on, um, let's say if they uh, re-upload a video, uh, they steal someone's video and they re-upload it. And for some reason that re-upload gets viral. Um, and before YouTube has a chance to take it down, there's ads shown on that and they get all that revenue. And now mm -hmm. it should, in theory, like if you just create a brand new channel, if you don't have a thousand subscribers, which is quite, I mean, uh, it, it's quite a lot of work to get up to that point. Um, um, you won't get any monetization from it. Um, and it's, it looks like it, it is trying to sort of protect the advertisers because there's been several what they call adpocalypses happening on YouTube <laughs> where huge advertisers has been pulling out because of certain things that um, uh, a select few uh, YouTubers have uh, put up um, as well as the the YouTube kids fiasco that happened a couple months back yep. that uh, uh, uploaded these crazy videos that were shown to kids that were really not appropriate at yeah. all. And they were making loads of money because they were getting millions and millions of views on these videos. Uh, this really doesn't affect them either because they had more than a thousand subscribers. This doesn't affect the, the big guys at all. Uh, but it really, I think, hurts the smaller uh, people. But some people, like I mentioned earlier on, um, the small guys who did previously meet these um, guidelines, uh, the previous guidelines, a lot of YouTubers saying who know what type of money you can make on YouTube, they say that they were max getting like hundred bucks a month, which yeah. is how much is that really affecting your uh, money? Like, it's the, it, I guess it depends on the, situ the money situation of that particular person who's who's uploading to YouTube, but not enough to live off of. Exactly. That's the argument that I've heard. So I just wanted to see what you guys have. I know I talked a lot, but. Um, well, this may be a controversial opinion, but I think that any change to the advertising structure in order to combat something like this is going to impact smaller YouTubers at a much larger rate than the established channels. Um, and while that's a negative side effect, to this type of a change i think it is a necessary one like you said because someone could just steal a video and re-upload it profit off of it or in the case of several youtubers um upload a video with very controversial and inappropriate content and expose that to millions of people and the advertising platforms may or may not support that type of a video or that type of content so i think it is a good move um i want to see it implemented and I want to see how this does impact the community. If you see a large drop off in some of the smaller channels and if it's harder for someone to get started up on say YouTube in order to monetize their videos. But, um, I think it is a relatively smart move or it's a, it's not a better word would be the logical move for YouTube. I, I want to make a correction to the, the, the numbers that I threw up. So according to YouTube, 99% of the existing creators affected by these changes have been making less than $100 per year, not per month. Okay, that's even harder to make a living off of. Yeah. Um, so that's been an argument a lot of people. Like, yeah, they see, okay, these people are freaking out. But like, how much money were you really making on YouTube? Because at that size, at those thousand viewers, you would think, thousand subscribers, um, you would think that you wouldn't, 
make uh, a good amount of money, but it wasn't, it's not, YouTube yeah. doesn't pay that well as people might think if you're small. Yeah. Um, so I think this is even less impacting then as well. Yeah. But um, on that note of uh, on that certain YouTuber who created a certain video with certain content, <laughs> um, it happened less than a week after they cut business ties with that YouTuber. Um, mm -hmm. And for anybody who's been living under a rock and deals with YouTube, it's Logan Paul is the person. <laughs> I'm not going to specify exactly what happened, but he's no longer in the YouTube or in the Google preferred, um, mm -hmm. and which is their um, preferred advertiser or preferred. Yeah. yeah, it's their preferred service for bigger YouTubers. Um, but uh, they said in a response that it was not related to that video. Um, even though they have been making continuous updates to the platform in response to the concerns from advertisers. Mm -hmm. So um, take that with a grain of salt, take it for what it is. Um, it probably is in response and it's, it may not be directly tied to that video, but it definitely probably played a big yeah. part in pushing that decision forward faster than it would have normally gone through. They did make a change sort of relating to what well, it is relating to Logan Paul's uh, video, uh, a change is that now that um every um partner or every youtuber who is in the google preferred ad program um every video that they now upload will be reviewed by human uh, moderators before it is monetized okay uh, so previously it was done mostly by ai um and a lot of people have been raised to, <laughs> like the saying that it, google or youtube's ai really sucks at, at identifying uh controversial videos right it would mark certain things just because you mentioned the word gun in your video and like oh you're demonetized because you mentioned the word gun or you say one uh curse word and and it's immediately demonetized so it's like really flaky and and now that they're actually putting uh humans actual humans uh to look at these videos and not relying on that ai because i know i think youtube wants to go that full route having an ai figure out everything uh because there's so much content uploaded to youtube it's literally impossible for a human to review every single one of them which i understand yeah uh, but i think keeping um the the youtube preferred people right giving them an actual review because they have so much influence on right. uh, what they post right the the these uh, YouTubers with the millions of followers, millions of subscribers, five, ten million uh, Is subscribers. Is in the preferred? Uh, no, he was removed because of his uh, controversy, so he's no longer in the preferred. I was going to say that would be a very stressful job for a person to have to watch all of PewDiePie's videos and find <laughs> anything that may be potentially not prep, like, proper behavior because I, I, wa whole video I watched. I watched two recently. And now all I get is recommended is PewDiePie videos yep. on YouTube. I was like, why? I don't. I watch just for curiosity, and I don't want to see anymore. Please, YouTube, stop. That's that happens they, even if I watch like one music video, like <laughs> at all, one time. That's how they get you. Now you're oh, an Ariana man. Grande fan, Matt, because you watched one yeah. video. I watched one video that has Ariana Grande as a feature, and now she's in my <laughs> top fifty list. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I think so, I think I don't know. In some in summation, I think this is. I didn't really interject yet, but I think that this is a, a, a probably a good move. We'll see how it pans out, but I think that it pleases most parties involved. Um, and I think those people, like you guys were saying, are making less than a hundred dollars a year. I don't think they're going to get hit too hard by this. Uh, it might it might change the community a little bit, but 
I think. The, and there's other people have been uh, the suggesting, right? There's other rev the ways to make money. Uh, yeah. You can do Patreon, right? So you want right. if you have the thousand uh, subscribers on YouTube, if ten percent of those give you a dollar a week or a dollar a month, that's a hundred bucks a month instead of a hundred bucks a year, uh, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you there's definitely other ways now to make money, probably more money than YouTube would offer. Um, so there's definitely options uh, for these smaller creators to still sort of make a couple extra bucks on the side and while they're uh, gaining or, or trying to grow their uh, channel. Um, so exciting times to be a YouTuber if mm-hmm. you're growing. We'll see how this goes. Like I said, I want to see it implemented because YouTube has done this before and things have been implemented rather poorly. Like the large swath of random videos or seemingly random videos that were demonetized over the past few months, almost to the point where it became a meme um but yeah we'll see we'll see where this goes and i wonder if this is going to impact things like twitch and other streaming platforms push more people to that platform i mean um but yeah uh in in other news uh tim cook was praising the corporate side of the trump tax reform saying that this is the nine to five Mac article saying that the iPhone won't get cheaper with the Apple's U.S. investments. So um, this is this comes on the heels of their major announcements to bring back a large sum of money, two hundred and fifty billion dollars, back to the United States. Um, so I'm curious as to how this is going to impact the because a lot of people are saying this could impact the price of an iPhone um, and saying that it could lead to more expensive Apple products and a higher as the the running joke is apple tax on their products mm-hmm. um but there's large parts of this that were as a result of the tax reform and large parts which they're they said, had said that they're planning on doing anyway so i'm not sure how beneficial this is going to be but this does this uh this tax bill does come with big benefits for large corporations such as Apple. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this um, because I hadn't done too much research into the tax reform. um, And I was wondering if maybe you had some information that I didn't know. Uh, So I just want to give a little background on why this is important. So um, Apple has been holding a lot of money outside of the U.S., Um, so um, any money that they have made outside of the u.s they pretty much been holding um in uh, certain regions of the world where it benefits them um in a tax sort of a tax-free uh way or very low corporate tax rates and 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 certain countries have those uh, outside of the u.s so that's where apple has been holding quite a bit of money (laughs) um and now with this new reform, uh, the uh, corporate the the rate to re-import those um, re-import that money back into the U.S. has been has been made a lot cheaper. Uh, so now it's around fifteen percent uh, instead of I think it was around forty uh, previously um, to get that money back into the United States. So that now incentivizes Apple to bring. Uh, back that money and hopefully reinvest it right in this economy, not just hold it offshores. Um, and also, um, Apple with this announced that they're going to give because of this to twenty five hundred dollar 
um, Apple stock uh, incentives or, or bonuses uh, to a majority of uh, their Apple employees, uh, which is nice uh, because of this mm-hmm. new tax bill. Um, but And they also announced that they're going to uh, uh, expand to a, a new headquarters or a, a, a second or third, whatever headquarters they're on <laughs> now. Uh, sort of like what Amazon is doing, but no, I don't think it's as big as their right. uh, main one that they just built the spaceship. Um, so it should be uh, around 20,000 new jobs, according to Tim Cook, when he did uh, this interview. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, like most people thought, this new tax reform is really affecting big corporations, right? They're favoring them, trying to bang uh, a piece to them. Um, I don't know if, Jeff, you have any other comments on this? Um, well, it doesn't surprise me that the corporation side of this is uh tim cook's happy with that side because i don't want to get deep into any views here but uh the corporations sometimes not only get treated like people but better than people so <laughs> that's pretty much all i have to say yeah. about this i mean it's it's good to see they're they're putting the money back into their employees but um with a tax bill like this it's gonna be on a company by company basis to decide on how that money is distributed so I want to see the side effects of, say, other companies in the tech space, what, or even not even in the tech space, what they plan on doing with the benefits from the tax reform. Um, and it's good to see that they are expanding and hiring more employees and offering more benefits and such. But yeah, I'm 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 kind of holding my breath on before whether like and whether I praise this as a, a good thing for the economy or not especially in the tech space because it's um, it could have a major impact or it could just kind of all be funneled around up to the top and stay there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this develops and I'm pretty sure we'll be reporting on this again down the line as we start to hear of what these other companies besides Apple are beginning to do as this plan rolls through. So it's something that we can definitely keep an eye on. Um, yeah, somewhat related to this during the same interview that was this was discussed. I, I didn't put this in the show notes, but uh, Tim Cook directly commented on the iPhone battery issues that recently has been uh, made aware to uh, people. Uh, so he said that um, in the new update, they're going to give the option to actually disable uh, that uh, reduction in performance if you're affected by a poor battery. So if you want to deal with whatever uh, that uh, a poor or older battery might cause whatever issues that might cause with your phone. The the reason that Apple implemented that the slowdown of the phone is to mitigate that issue. If you want to turn that off and the new update that's coming out, you're going to have that option, uh, which is I think good. If because I think it's good that Apple's giving people the choice, right? Don't right. let don't Apple. I'll, I'll decide if I want to uh, have what kind of experience I want with your phone. You don't need to decide. Uh, I wonder what the impact on, in terms of your day to day usage of the phone, is going to be. Like, if it's really going to be that big of an impact, like if it'll be a night and day improvement of performance. Yeah. Or is this really going to only hit people who say run benchmarks daily or like game or something? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know either because I, yeah. I haven't used a phone that has yeah. this, so I don't. Yeah. 
anybody who has been who has an older iPhone and is missing the capabilities of what it once was able to do, please feel free to let us know and either a review or a comment on our Facebook page or get in touch with us and let us know if this does have any kind of drastic improvement. And maybe even uh, we can see if Kyle has anything to report on if if because uh, he has a I think an older iPhone as well. So I'd be interested in seeing what what happens as a result of this. Um, but yeah, speaking of performance hits, um, anybody with a Chromecast has probably been wondering what's going on with their Wi-Fi. Um, well, now we know. <laughs> um, they have st- Wi-Fi routers have begun to issue patches defending their products against the Chromecast devices. So uh, it's not in the routers, but in the cast feature used in the Chromecast, Google Home, and other devices. Um, and it sends the, the the core of the issue is it sends multicast DNS packets as a keep alive functionality for connections to products like the home and Chromecast. But um, someone forgot to turn that off when those products decide to go to sleep or aren't being used. So while they normally send in a 20 second interval, um, some of these devices have been reported to broadcast a large amount of these packets at a very high speed. So basically your Chromecast device is DDoSing your router. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one person who discovered this issue um, noted that when they had they had suffered major speed hits on their Wi-Fi, but when they turned off their Chromecast and all the devices related to it, their speeds went back to a much more normal number which is concerning and I'm hoping to see a fix maybe on Google side and the router side. Um, but uh, the longer your device is in sleep, the larger the packet burst will be. So the it, I guess the note is that every, every time you walk past your Google home, yell something at it to trigger it. So that way it doesn't DDoS <laughs> your network. <laughs> so wait, so. I just, I want to be clear that, I'm understanding this right. So this is just like building up a, an amount of packets to be sent, so that when it comes out of sleep mode, it just lets them all go at once. Mm-hmm. It looks, yeah, when it's awakened from the sleep mode, it says it could exceed more than one hundred thousand packets in a short amount of time. Because I've, I mean, I know Irvin and I have discussed this. I don't, we didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk to you, Matt, about it before the show, but this I've definitely seen some impact on my connection here at home uh, yeah. as a result of this. And I, you know, I have a. Uh, uh, home and uh, Chromecast both in use. So, yeah, I'll... I noticed the, the issues as well, especially with when you're constantly. I've noticed that when you're constantly uh, using an internet connection like streaming video, uh, either watching Netflix or YouTube, I've definitely noticed where uh, the connection would just stop and, and start to buffer. And I don't, I'm not very used to the buffering issues because I have a, a FiOS, which has a gigabit connection. So yeah. I don't typically, I was like, why is this buffering? Irvin, um, I have the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's, it seems, it, I noticed it immediately because I haven't ever, ever since I have FiOS now that I, I don't expect any buffering to happen ever yeah. um, uh, because of that high speed. So I noticed it immediately and ha- kept happening more and more. Um, and then I saw this article um, a certain uh, router manufacturers released uh, updates to help uh, with this, um, but it uh, Google is the one who finally admitted uh, that this was an issue, and they uh, released supposedly a um, new 
update to not uh, the Google Home themselves, uh, uh, but uh, Google Play services, which runs on Android phones um, in the background that runs a lot of stuff behind the scenes, mm -hmm. uh, was apparently the corporate that was sending all these packets out. So I'm assuming if you had an iPhone, you really weren't affected by this because that's not running in the background. Right. Um, so it looks like if you had an Android phone uh, and also the, all these home devices in your uh, house, uh, then you were affected by this. Right. And also um, anybody who has a Linksys um, or a Netgear router and even uh, even Asus, um, at least for Linksys and Netgear, though there are firmware updates and that is in there's links to that in the register article that we have in the show notes. So anybody looking to update their routers, uh, this is your weekly service warning from I4O to update your routers and your printers. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious to see how this goes from here. And Google, like you said, Urban has committed an update and has admitted a problem. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be an update to cast overall because I have seen this before. Um, I don't... I don't know if I've necessarily been able to specifically attribute it to cast itself or not, but um, they did commit to a fix. So I'm hoping we'll see a fix not only from the Google Play services, but from cast itself, um, if this is a larger issue impacting specifically those devices. Yeah. So if you have slow internet, try unplugging your Google Home. And yeah. Maybe that'll work. Maybe not. So, And for our last... Um, uh, news item for this week. Uh, I thought if we put this in a little fun one. I don't. We don't typically talk about gaming. No. Um, on this uh, podcast, but I thought I would bring it up because I thought it was really cool. I don't personally own a Switch, uh, but uh, Nintendo has announced a new. I don't know what to call it. Like a a, a, a platform or a new way of of doing DIY creations using the switch, uh, using pieces of cardboard, which, which you in on the surface may sound lame, but, uh, after watching the video, definitely it's something, um, awesome. Um, I know you guys were watching it before the show. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. It's Nintendo's Labo project yeah. Labo or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and I know you have the video playing right now, and some of this stuff looks pretty sophisticated, like the, the piano that they will show in a little bit on the video, not to spoil it. But um, it's it's something that's really cool, and it I could see this having huge um, implications for, say, like younger people who wanted to play games like this, like uh, just kind of taking a, an existing product and adding functionality to it is really cool. Yeah, and just by just by using the existing hardware, um, and then just adding a piece of cardboard that that, that changes the way that you uh, experience it, the way that you play uh, games. Um, since the uh, Joy Cons is the main uh, part that these um, use uh, yeah. for the input, uh, they have so much sensors within them uh, that they can uh, do this. So the samples that I'm showing in the video. Uh, there's that piano that you mentioned, uh, Matt. Um, mm -hmm. There is this fishing rod where you can play a fishing game and you actually uh, move things around and uses accelerometers within the um, uh, within the Joy Cons. Uh, there's this uh, 
there's so many possibilities for yeah. uh, doing all kinds of different things. And I hope that perhaps uh, uh, Nintendo might open sources so people can create their own, like they just take a piece of cardboard. They want to create something. Yeah. I think that could be really cool. And it, it's really um, for kids, especially it should be really fun to actually play something within the physical world. Um, I know Legos were kind of, I don't know how big they are now, but when I was a kid, uh, Legos were huge. Like you could create something from scratch and use your own imagination. And this is sort of uh, relating to that, um, using something in the physical world, but also bring that digital uh, aspect of it to the Switch. Um, yeah. Which are pretty awesome. I want to see, yeah, like you were saying, I want to see how many third-party products come as a result. And now if they decide to even open this up to being able to be expanded on or even giving it for giving some of them for free as a as a way because that would be a smart move as well to expose people to something on a format that's free so that way they can see what the potential is for this themselves before investing in something like this even if it is just buying cardboard so i would think that some games that they're going to come out with are going to have their own like packages that come with the game right yeah so that like if you play a racing game you'd get your steering wheel and like pedals or something like Mm -hmm. that I don't know. Yeah, mm. so right now they're releasing two different packs. Uh, the release is on April 20th of this year. So if you want, I think it's available pre-order, but I can confirm that in a bit. But they're releasing uh, two uh, different packs. One's a variety pack, which includes um, the piano one, the fishing rod one. There's a house. I don't even know what that house one does. Uh, <laughs> and that inc- also includes the games. It includes the cardboard that goes along with it where you have to build it. And then they have the robot kit, uh, which is fairly involved, that has a robot game where you put it on this backpack and it allows you to use your actual fist and, and, and mimic the movements of the robot within the game. And has this, uh, this uh, visor kind of thing that goes over your head. Um, it seems pretty awesome. It's almost like a virtual reality experience. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, so those are the two packs that they're coming out initially on, yeah. on April 20th. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see what the future holds for this. And I think it's really innovative, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's very oh, different. Does. And Nintendo has been known to do things very differently. I know the Wii was pretty different from every other gaming platform that came out during that same time with the new control scheme with that, the Wii controllers, um, was quite different. And so this, then then the switch has been quite different take on gaming, um, trying to make it portable and, and doing some innovation uh, on the, the controllers uh, controller side of things um, so I think this is just another step in Nintendo trying to innovate and uh, people are fairly receptive to this announcement have been and I know their stock has jumped quite a bit uh, right. after this announcement um, but it's, it's, it's good to see Nintendo still uh, come out with new ideas and, and trying new things and yeah there's uh, no indication on pricing on any of this yet is there uh i think there is I th- uh, let me if you go through the link check. maybe on the video but that's this is awesome i'm excited to see some of the reviews that come out from this and um where it goes with the industry in general mm-hmm. so it looks like the pricing on the variety kits at uh, 69.99 and robot kits at 79.99. That's some expensive cardboard. Uh, yeah. It also comes with the games. 
too. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's the software too. But yeah, it's just a piece of cardboard shirt. But uh, yeah, it's sophisticated to say the least. Yeah. Because when I saw in that video, there was a section of it where they uh, cracked open the backpack and the piano, and you could see like the inner workings of it. And it looked like it was pretty complicated. So it's like a combination of you have to build this, and I. I pity every parent who has to go through the setup process for one of these pianos or robots. You're, um, you're, you're also not just paying for cardboard. Like you're saying, it's a complex yeah. system. You also think about you're paying for the design of that system and the testing yeah. and the payment of employees and yeah. you know, everything yeah. that goes into coming out with something. Yeah, it's an out-of-the-box solution that works, even if it's cardboard coming out of the box instead of a product. But yeah, either way, I'm definitely excited for this and I want to, maybe I'll see if, my roommate's interested in this see if he wants to see if i can try it out firsthand or maybe if they have like demos or something set up at a store to try out that'd be cool but yeah go to a fedex and get some cardboard and (laughs) (laughs) i4o compatible nintendo switch games there you go yeah that's it but um yeah i think unless we have any other important bits of news to cover i think that's that wraps up the episode so to get into some of the information um just some of our our show information uh you can we stream this weekly um on sunday this is the weekly news show we have when it's relevant and topical we will have a deeper dive series that usually airs on wednesday as well um we will not have one this week uh, we just don't want to force that kind of a topic but um you can access I4O on all of your favorite streaming platforms. You can find us on Podbean. Uh, you can find us on Podbean is at industry40.podbean.com. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes. Uh, we stream live weekly on Twitch, uh, YouTube, and Periscope. Um, you can catch up on all of our latest news and information, whether it's just an, inform- an informative bit of news about our podcast itself on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and yeah, um, if you would like, it helps us tremendously uh, to leave us a review on one of the various platforms and we will, as a result of that, read you read your name out loud and kind of give you a shout out on the episode. It helps us um, get to more viewers and it helps us increase our expandability and just deliver more information. And plus, we love reading the reviews as well. We have a, a couple on our iTunes as it stands, but we love more so not to beg but it does help us get more information out to help other people and it helps us improve leave us reviews we see your downloads <laughs> we know you're listening but um but yeah also speaking of listening uh you can enjoy all the episode music on soundcloud.com slash the jbones uh produced in-house by our very own jeff Bedzinski. um and also, as well, to add just a couple of other plugs, um, you can find some beautiful photography from our very own Ryan Thompson on Flickr at Wayne R. Thompson. His Instagram is WayneRyan21. And as well, I know Irvin does some photography as well um, at yeah. Irvin.Lucas. On... I haven't been posting uh, that much yeah. lately, but uh, stay tuned. There's, there's yeah. stuff coming. Well, you just got some nice new photos and with your fancy new camera uh yeah and uh but yeah (laughs) so um i think with that um that brings about the end of the episode so i think that's everything we got for today 
So this has been episode 35 of IFRO and thanks for listening everybody. See you guys next week. Thank you.